deals. And Bonds hit for high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. 3-2 to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Halliday is one strike away. The 0-2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time. Roy Halliday has thrown a no-hitter. I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left field. Going, going. Dean has run on the line. That'll be a line for a base hit. Here comes Joy. Here is Junior to third base. They're going to wave him in. The throw to the plate will be late. The batter. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. Hello and welcome to the show, A Baseball Podcast. It is your host, Ryan, as always, this week joined by Chris, a.k.a. Schwebzy. Hi, friends. Uh, we're going to get into our usual array of topics, four topics, and then we'll talk a little bit about MLB The Show, because it is Griffey Week, and then we'll talk about Breaking Company, because they do have some really, really hot stuff coming out tomorrow night if you guys are listening to this the day it goes live if not it's going to be august 15th but with that let's get into our first topic which has been the product of much debate this week by a bunch of the national beat writers and that is how much of a problem are tanking teams in the mlb schwebzy well it's i mean it's it's a problem if you look at the strength of schedule rankings in the whole MLB, literally the entire top half is NL teams and the entire bottom half is AL teams, meaning the AL teams have faced the easiest schedules. And that's because let's say let's let's make the cutoff a 42 win percentage. Yeah. If you if you look at teams under 42%, you've got six uh sorry five nl five al teams under 42 percent and then one nl team under 42 percent the nl teams the marlins right yeah you've got the marlins pirates are right at the cutoff but you know i'm picking and choosing my stats here cherry picking so um yeah you've got the all pretty much all of the tanking teams are in the al so if you look at the strength of schedule cleveland the al central is a particular problem Cleveland has by far the easiest strength of schedule. It's not even close between team 30 and team 29. Yeah. So I think where you're seeing it matter the most is in the AL wildcard race where Cleveland has just, you know, stormed the gates of the AL wildcard race and they, they've even taken the division lead at one point. So, I mean, do we really think that Cleveland is a better team all around than uh, Boston, Oakland, Tampa Bay? But they're basically guaranteed a playoff spot just because they're clearly better than the trash in their division. Yeah, I th- I think specifically when it relates to the wild card race in the AL, I think I think that is the biggest problem 
because I don't think Cleveland's better than those teams. I do. I think they're they're closer than some people want to admit. Probably. Let's be honest here. It's a problem when in the NL East a little bit because I mean they they aren't giving me games against the Marlins anymore, which has been kind of funny um, to touch on that. But you also see like the attendance drop when a tanking team comes to town. Like everybody always wants to talk about you know how like. Oh, it's the Battle of the Beltway or the Beltway series this year, and there's, like, no tickets being sold. Like, those games, like, the Nats are literally trying to push them. Like, you can get two tickets for, like, I think the price of one in some sections when the Orioles come to town. And that puts stress on the teams, too, because, like, attendance is down all over baseball, and now you have these teams that are so bad that nobody, even if they're a fan of the team and live in the area, wants to go see them play. And it kind of snowballs into this whole huge thing with it and it, it's very 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 much a problem but <clears throat> I have to also think that they are doing it because of the success of two teams and that was the Nats who hit rock bottom and got two really really good players in Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg and then had I'm going to say a top five pick because, let's be real, Bubba Starling shouldn't have gone in the top five. Um, with Anthony Rendon the next year, was the number one overall consensus pick but had an ankle problem at, at Rice. And they have had success, four division titles I would call success. And then you had the Astros who bounced off the bottom. And who who all did they get? What, like Bregman, Correa? Apple. Apple, who they ended up trading. I forgot for who, but he's been been good for them. Um, Springer they got around that same time too. I'm not sure if he was one of their first overall first round draft picks or not, but but they have had definite success, including a World Series title off of it. And so now these teams are trying to emulate that. But when there are five or six teams doing it, it's a lot harder to do it successfully like those two teams did. And it's going to cause a lot of teams to be at the bottom for longer. So but it's one of these danged if you do, danged if you don't situations, unfortunately. Yeah, and it kind of makes the uh, it, it kind of makes teams' goals interesting, because so I'm a Mets fan. Uh, the listeners won't know that, but I'm a I'm a very very uh, diehard Mets fan, and I go into every stretch of schedule, basically like look at I look at the month and I'll say, okay, we've got like this month we've got the Marlins and we got Kansas City. We need to go five and one against these bad teams because otherwise you know it's just the, the it's gonna go yeah poorly. yeah and i another place where uh where this rears its head I, i'm looking at the team by team records how each team performs against each team individually like look at the new york yankees the new york yankees have got have won 16 games against the orioles no other team has won more than 12 games against one other team yeah it, 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 and I was going to bring up Glaber Torres' stats in those games. He has what? Seven, home runs against one. 17 home runs against the Orioles. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't know what the answer is. Um, one of the writers for The Athletic was talking about, you know, oh, they need to you know, they need to raise up the level of AAA play and make them independent teams and do two leagues and do relegation stuff. And I'm like, no, that's too much. But I don't know what the answer the answer is. Is it 
doing what the NBA does and having a lottery so it's not guaranteed first overall draft pick like the NFL and, or no, NHL and NBA do. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of these situations that's really confusing and I'm sure we'll get pushed aside in the next CBA debate too. We we do love overlooking uh, really important things in the CBAs just for small concessions elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that seems to be a, a side on 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 both problems. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just mind boggling to me, like how these teams and then the teams like justify it too, like oh, it's long term success, and then you draft a player at catcher who's half of his value is playing defense as a catcher and then decide to move him to the outfield so you can call him up faster. Just blows my mind. Sup, Bryce? Uh, sup, what's his name? You just got drafted by the O's. Have fun. Oh, uh, no, no no way do they move. Uh, what's his name? Rouchman? Right, Rouchman? Yeah. They're ta- they're, they, there's internal discussion about having him also play as an outfielder or first baseman. I mean, nothing wrong with some flexibility. But hey, what do you think is going to be higher this year? The the Orioles' average attendance or the amount of home runs they give up? Oh man, I'm going to go average attendance just because I feel like they'll get over that a thousand people. I feel per like game it's going to be it's going to be closer closer than you'd expect. Probably. What are they up to right now? Like 285 or something ridiculous? And that's just the Yankees. Ha ha ha! Hey, good one. Lord, uh, it's. I'm trying to think how I want. I'm trying to think how I want to say this about tanking teams. I feel like, and I said this earlier, it's it's a problem. It is not a problem to tank to be bad and try to bounce off the bottom because it's how good teams are built. I think the bigger problem is how many time teams are trying to do it at once. I think that's the bigger issue here than the general concept of tanking. And I know so... that might be kind of a hot take, but. So there's the the school of thought that I subscribe to, and this is this is definitely what I've absorbed from like reading fan graphs and uh, you know similarly analytical oriented people. It's like if you're if you think you're gonna win 82 teams, like the the usual like margin like w- with luck based stuff, like you, you might go up five games, you might go down five games, but if you're an 82 win team on paper, then you go for it, like. That's that's my opinion on it because you can an eighty two win talent an eighty two win talent team can win ninety games. Yeah, and it doesn't take that much luck, especially you know bullpen luck. Like a a good bullpen luck season can carry you from eighty two to ninety wins. Like no problem. I I mean like the 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 crazy thing about it is and you see that this year with two teams in in this division that we're both fans of with the Nats and the Braves. Both of them were projected to win the same amount of games at at eighty seven, and the Braves had a lot of their their young pitching step up, and the Nats had some bullpen problems early, but have have kind of stemmed them, and they're now projected higher than their win totals because of that luck. What I also think the problem, the other problem with tanking, and the other half of this is teams that are in contention are not trading high level prospects at the rate they are to these tanking teams to get players the deadline anymore, which is kind of slowing some of the rebuilds. And that's yeah. a whole other issue, though. You might never see another Glaber trade. I don't think you will either, to be honest. And I think that's that's the other half of this tanking thing is 
it's slowing down the rebuilds, which is why tanking is becoming a problem. Um, moving on to teams that are in contention, though. Perfect transition. We got seven teams within four games of the NL wild card, uh, specifically in the NL. The AL's kind of a lot less teams. I think there's three. But we got the Washington Nationals, St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, Arizona Diamondbacks, and San Francisco all within four games of the wild card in the NL. I'll get start on this one with what two teams I think are going to make it and why. Um, I don't think it's a, a homer pick for me to, to take the Nationals. They, they've been one of the best teams, if not the best team, for the last two months, even given their little small recent skid. They have the hitting and the starting pitching to, I think, go the distance in the wild card versus some of these other teams. And even with St. Louis and Milwaukee playing the way they're playing, I think the other team I have to go with to win the second wild card spot in the NL, I think I got to go with the Mets just because of the starting pitching. I think it's literally going to come down to who has the best starters down the stretch, and that's the the Nationals and the Mets, and I, I think that ultimately ends up deciding it because these games are going to get a lot tighter in September, and how well your starting pitcher does usually determines how well the uh, the game goes. So I, I, I feel like that was, that was just an inclusion for me, and thank you. But, no, I, I seriously do, actually. I, I think they're probably the second strongest team, yeah. Yeah, so just I'm just focusing on post All Star break stats here because with with the deadline with with injuries or anything and with only what six weeks left in the regular season, something like that. I, I want to focus on you know recent production. So if you're looking at pitching, then the Mets have by far the most pitching war in the NL since the All-Star break. It's it's 5.5, next is 4.6. So you figure like 20% more than the next team. Yeah. Then it's the Dodgers at 4.6, and then the Nationals at 3.3. So, you know, the Dodgers being the behemoth they are, I don't even want to count them. But so the Mets are just lapping the field in pitching war right now. And it's because the abysmally bad bullpen has you know finally showed up and kind of caught up to the starting pitching and also this is 100 percent a homer take i think the mets are going to make it um i am very concerned about the jeff mcneil injury because i strongly believe he's the most important batter in the lineup even more so than uh alonso i i will i will i will agree with that i feel like yeah, how he I, goes the mets have gone just the versatility the consistency love that man uh so if you're looking at batting war and pitching war, the only team that's in the top five in both since the All-Star break, the Nationals. So they've they've been doing it. And they've been doing it in spite of some uh there there was a there's been a little bit of bullpen wonkiness there, especially versus the Mets. But yeah. I mean if their if their bullpen holds together, we, we know they've got the horses in the rotation. Yeah, I think since his trade three years ago, and talking on your wonkiness point, Doolittle's ERA versus the Mets is like 15, and against the other four NLEs teams, it's like 1.28. It's so wonky, it's hilarious. It's my favorite statistic. Oh, man. Ugh. 
Ugh, sigh. Uh, no, I, I, I'm glad we agree because I think like it's it's becoming clear that I, starting pitching is going to be the determining factor. Do I think like maybe Arizona or San Francisco gets close at one point? Yeah, but I don't think they have the consistency to really come up and catch it. And I got to be honest, I feel like the Nats are one of these teams where it's like, oh, they were the best team in baseball for six, six, seven weeks up from May 24th until the All-Star break. And then they've kind of slowed down. And now it feels like the last week or, or 10 days they have gone on an absolute tear. Joe Ross in his last five starts has something like a .54 ERA. Like when Scherzer got hurt, he stepped up and was like, okay, let's do this. I saw Joe Ross throwing some cindergard esque two-seamers that moved like crazy and went 90-plus. It was wild. I think the best decision he made as a starting pitcher was to drop the changeup as his second pitch, throw it less and throw it as your fourth pitch, and go with the sinker that breaks down, the two-seamer that breaks, how it breaks, and stick with your four-seam fastball, and then throw the changeup in occasionally to get people off speed. Because when you have a pitch, like a sinker and a two, his two-seamer combo, and I don't know if you saw Pitching Ninja's overlay on it, they look the same until like the last five feet, and the sinker breaks down and the two-hander, two-seamer breaks in on you, and it's just like, it's, he's a different pitcher, and his breakthrough had really come almost exactly a year after he had Tommy John surgery. It's funny how these things happen like clockwork in some situations. So I, I might be distracted now because I got to go check my NL only team and see if uh, Ross is available. <laughs> not not a not a bad move. I feel like the 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 wild card for the Mets that I think gives them an advantage is one is a player you mentioned earlier too, which is Pete Alonso, going for Rookie of the Year and and everything. And I think that gives them an X factor that not even like well maybe the Nats if Robles turns it around but it's an x factor that i don't think any of the other teams have in in the race so interesting thing about robles so normally with most hitters you see a steep decline in fly ball percentage and warning signs like warning flags go up and you're you're like oh no what are they doing wrong both robles you kind of want him hitting it closer to the ground. You want him hitting more line drives because he's not the most powerful dude. His exit velos are pretty trash, actually. So you want him hitting uh, ground balls, line drives, and taking advantage of those wheels he's got. Yeah, so when he gets a hold of it, he crushes doubles and home runs, though. Uh, it's nuts. You don't need to tell me. He, uh, what is like a third of his home runs are against the Mets? He hit like three against Syndergaard, two against DeGrom. It's yeah. ridiculous. The man... It, so, I mean, I hate all of my division rivals. You know, I I, I don't like, except, like, the Marlins had that thing, uh, like, a decade ago where they just really loved screwing with the Mets. Uh, my, uh, but now they're kind of like the kid in the corner eating paste. Uh, you yeah, just feel yeah, a little bad for them. But the Nationals specifically, because just the, everyone seems to come to play against the Mets. Robles, Rendon, the ghost of Harper's production. Just <laughs> everyone loves... It's just everyone loves performing against the Mets, and I don't. I hate it. I hate it so much. I, you know, everybody talks about how like the 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 Nats and Braves have this rivalry, or the Nats and Phillies have this rivalry because of the close. The one that I love the most in the NL East is when we play the Mets, because uh, you either smack us up. in the face or we smack you in the face. It's very very rarely when you have a series split where you're like, eh, middle game could have gone either way, you know. 
especially back in the uh, Matt Harvey days when uh, what Straz and Harvey both came up around the same time. Oh and man, we had the whole Harvey's better thing. That, that yeah. Lasted how 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 that how that one end up though? We we we'll always have 2000. What was it? 2013. We'll always have that. 15 when he made the World Series, right, and lost to the Royals. Was that it? Was that when he had like the crazy 2.2 ERA? No, that was 13 his rookie year, and then 15 was his Tommy John's comeback yeah. year when they shut him down yeah. for for six weeks. By the way, I, I will point this Hardy. out about Joe Ross. By the way, before we wrap up, before we wrap up this topic, one more thing about Joe Joe Ross and and the wild card standing. The Nats, he had Tommy John surgery last year. And when the Nats brought him back up through the minors off of it, actually had him come up as a reliever into a long reliever before they converted him back to a starter so that he'd have enough innings to potentially pitch as the fourth starter in the postseason this year. So it looks like they have learned a little bit from the uh, Strasburg debacle in 2012. At least something good came of that. Yeah... Yeah, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, that was the Nats' best chance to win. I don't think we were getting through the Giants if we got through the Cardinals. I just got to be honest. Oh, so one last thing about the the NL wildcard picture. I just completely and entirely write off the Diamondbacks and the Giants. And writing off the Giants is always... It's but it's not an happens. even year, so it's okay. It's not. It's not. But I still, I've, I've, I've completely written them off, and then they go and win three extra inning games in one series against us, and I can totally see them overtaking us for the wild card just because I would hate it so much. That series in 2014 is the Nats series that has pissed me off the most in the playoffs. We outscored them 15 to eight and lost in four games. Who who cares about run differential? It's W's. You need dubs. It's W's. That Madison Bumgarner game, dude. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I remember the the year after our World Series run, we lost it to a uh, Bumgarner masterpiece when Syndergaard also threw a masterpiece, but Bumgarner's was masterpiece-ier. That's a good way to describe it. Speaking of things that make me go, ugh, Players Weekend uniforms came out last week. Um, are they actually, any of them actually good or not? All right. Thoughts. So, <laughs> oh, I have them. Oh, no. So, I bought my, I bought last year's uh, 2018's Players Weekend hat, and seeing the picture online and seeing the actual product it's the most orange thing I've ever seen in my life in person. It's just it's, yeah. I, neon, neon doesn't even doesn't even cover how bright it is. Like it's it's like when I wear it in public or when I used to wear it to work, people would think I was joking about something. It was that kind of bright orange. Yeah. So, and I love it. I love I love that hat. Mm-hmm. So this year they're not black and white. They are black or white. Yes. Half the teams are black, half the teams are white. And yep. On the one hand, I would really love for them to do something, you know, interesting. Uh like maybe maybe go with like real like throwbacks or that one time the the Mariners did like the futuristic jerseys. Love that. Would love something cool like that. But from a consumer standpoint, I'm gonna buy the shit out of that stuff. Like, I'm I'm gonna buy a black Mets hat. I'm gonna buy a white Mets hat. I'm gonna I might if I'm if I'm feeling myself, I might get a polar bear white jersey because that just seems too perfect. 
I think the hats are a lot better than the uniforms. The all-white hats, or all-black hats, I think are really cool. I think it's a really cool concept. Uh, they show dirt really, really easily, which is, like, hmm. my I, my problem with the all-whites. So I'm a little bit more leaning towards the all-blacks as actually being good. It's weird, though, to see the Red Sox in black and white. I, I So I was a little bit worried about the all-white. And then I remembered, like, so I have a Cindergard jersey, and it's a it's the home whites. Like, is yeah. that really is that really much different? No, not for not for a team like that, but for for like, I don't know. I just wish some of them had a little bit of color. Like, it looks weird looking at the all blacks and seeing the white lettering. Where I feel like if they had had the all blacks and had done the color, or the all whites with the color for the names. It would have been really, really cool. Like, um, Detroit's would have been awesome. Imagine the all black with then like the the orange lettering, or the Pirates with the all black mm. and just that subtle yellow lettering, like shadow behind it. The so, Reds with that white and just the old school plain red logo. Yeah, I, I know I'm I'm crossing my sports here, but do you remember? Uh, it's it's within the past couple of years when like the Miami Heat had their like black and neon jerseys. Yes. Those were fire. I love those. I, I would have loved I, something like I, that. I like what yeah. you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the, the kind of vibe I was going for with it. It, I think that would have been really, really awesome. My first reaction when I saw these though was like, the, the graphics designer woke up that morning and he had an email from MLB like, "Hey, where are our jersey designs?" <laughs> oh, and shit, that was as far as he got. Yeah, exactly. And that was as far as he got, and he just sent them in. And that's how I <laughs> felt about it. It's... Or it's like he had a he had a template that he forgot to fill out. Yes, yeah. I uh, feel like the all 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 blacks or all whites with like the neon a neon color version of of their their home color would have been would have been really cool. I'd admit seeing the rays in all white though is actually pretty good. That that's the the only team where it actually makes sense. Yeah, it's the only team. It's, I think it's the only team. Yeah, but. I, I mean, I yeah, I would like to add to my eye searingly neon color collection, but yeah, I, I'm cool with this too. I'm very, I'm very cool with an all white polar bear jersey. I think a lot of people got mad, got got upset last year at how bright the colors were, and so I think they kind of pulled it back too too much. To be honest, we do love we do love overcorrecting. Yeah, yeah, MLB does love overcorrecting. I think that might have, I think that might be what happened here. In in all honesty, to be to be but, honest, but I mean, really. The the color you know it's 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 cool that we have different colors but I I'm really all about the nicknames I just I I yes. I, I kind of love that you get a little glimpse into the personalities of your favorite players when this kind of thing happens yes so it's like like I mean who can who can forget Dick Mountain who who can forget not Justin Bieber yeah uh, and I and it's my favorite and least favorite thing in the world that Jake DeGrom's Players Weekend jersey is DeGrom. Yeah. It's like, on the one hand, I'm like, ah, that's my Jake. So serious all the that's time. So, that's so DeGrom. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm like, fuck, come on. But, DeGrominator? Yeah, come on. DeGrominator would have been good. I think, my, I think my least favorite part was the first time they did this. Was it three years ago now? I think so, yeah. When, um... Oh, who was it on the Yankees? He just got suspended. Oh, which one? Gardner. 
went on the huge rant about why do we allow nicknames on the back of jerseys and this. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. It's not the right way to play the game. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's especially rich coming from the Yankees who it, have yeah no love names. they love their uh, this is this is going to be a hot take for anybody who really cares about baseball oh, traditions. Wow. They have the dumbest traditions. No facial hair, no names on the backs, because you know we have to do the same thing that we did in 1902. Come yeah, on, yeah, exactly. There there are some really really good nicknames this year though. Oh, every year. Every year there's good nicknames. My favorite was the first year when uh, Corey Seager and Kyle Seager did each other's names. Brother. Kyle's brother and Corey's brother. I thought that was good. I, I would have liked if Kyle had the better Seager on his. Didn't he do that last year? Did he? I thought both did. of them did better Seager last year. The first year they did brothers, and I thought last year they did each both did better the better Seager. Well, I love it if they did. Um... Max Scherzer has stuck with tradition of alternating eye colors. So first year it was brown eye, and last year it was blue eye, and this year it's brown eye again. I do love that MLB allows brown eye with all the implications. Yes, of that. exactly. Got got what I was throwing down there. I appreciate it. And um, I, I like I like that they're allowing emojis back there too. We had box burger last year with yeah. with the burger. No emoji. emojis this year. I don't think though. No, I thought we had one. I think there might there might be one. I don't know. I, I swear they, this one. They, uh, they allowed Trey Turner to do the uh, the Superscript 3 this year. So he's Trey Cubed. Nice. He's T-Cubed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like my I, I like how the Mets are going to have a Flying Squirrel and Polar Bear. Those are those are my two current favorite Mets, and I, I dig what they got going on. Did you on see Nelson Cruz's? No, what is it? Boomstick. Oh, perfect! I, yeah. I think that's that's just that's like his thing. Yeah, that's absolutely thinks. my I favorite think that's Twitter handle, right? Yeah, I don't like Dansby Swanson just going by Dan. Dan, he should on Lieutenant Dan. Like, come on. Or Joey Votto with who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorites on the Nats though, which is Eric Fetty, the starting pitcher, is doing Fetty Chini. Should have should have gone with Fetty Wap. Ah. That's another good one. Next year. Next year he'll do it. So who's flying? Wait, who's flying squirrel? Jeff McNeil? Yeah, McNeil. Have you ever seen him? that man? He looks like a squirrel. Yeah, that's He fair. really does. And I assume polar bear is what, Alonzo? Yep. Yeah, that fits. Do Jeff you... McNeil at home flying around the bases or gnawing on a wheel of cheese? His his as, only two as modes. Squirrels his I only two modes. Up. Squirrels and mice, yeah. You know how squirrels love cheese. Yeah, right. I think I think it's acorns that they collect and eat. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, there that. we go. Big uh, wheel of acorns. Big wheel of acorns. Adovino yeah. is just Brooklyn. That's that is that is 100% a a plea to New York fans. Like please like me more. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um Oh man, I just saw Jose Abreu's name for the first time. What is it? Maltiempo, so bad weather. <laughs> Is that a shot at Chicago though? A little bit. I, I think Maybe. I think it's a I think it's a call to awareness for global warming. I think he's just I think he's just being woke. Yeah, probably, probably. But I I don't know. I, I'm appreciating the nicknames this year a little bit more. I think because of how bad the jerseys are. Oh, we've got we've got we've got emoji confirmation because Ty Butchery Ty Butchery is yeah. the Pete emoji and the tree emoji. 
because oh. we all we all know we all know what a peach means. Yeah. He's a he's a big old buttery. Francisco Lindora actually has an emoji on his. Yeah. His is smiley face, Mister Smile, smiley ah, face nice. emoji. See, that's what I'm saying. Let 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 your players have fun. Let their personalities come through. And... I heard I heard Mike Trout just asked for a blank because uh, he didn't want his. That is his personality coming through. Ooh. His jersey just says "Fly Eagles Fly." Ah, uh, okay. I was going to end on Francisco Lindor because it was a great transition to the next topic, but that hey. works too. Something, something, Lindor, because, go. Because Mike Trout was not a top prospect when he got called up, actually, believe it or not. But we do have the three quarters of the way through updated prospect rankings, and thanks to Bleacher Report, they basically took all the different sites, added up who positioning, and came up with their top 50 list, and have thrown the top 50, and we're just going to talk about the top 10 now. Coming in at number 10, Jesus Lazardo for the Oakland Athletics. Number 9, shortstop Bo Bichette, who does not have enough games to be graduated off the list yet. Number 8, Nate Pearson for the Toronto Blue Jays. Number 7, Galvin Lux for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Outfield, Luis Roberts for the Chicago White Sox. Number 5, Christian Patch. Pache? Potch. Potch for the Atlanta Braves. Number 4, Mackenzie Gore for the Padres. Number 3, Joe Adele for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Number two, Casey Mize for the Detroit Tigers. Number one, Wander Franco for the Tampa Bay Rays. Any too high, any too low, and what was biggest prize on the list for you? Well, I like that two and three is Casey and Joe. Uh, I just add an extra Joe in there myself. So we got Casey and JoJo coming in at two and three. Right. But, um, I mean, number one, that I mean, if, you, if you've been following prospects in the last couple of years, that's like the, the most no-brainer thing in the history of prospects because we all know Wander Franco is just the uberest of uber prospects right now. One of the highest international bonuses. The, the guy is like 14 tearing up AAA or whatever it is. Uh, he's he's in single A right now. Oh no, last year batted 351 in low A in six only 61 games and still walked away with MVP honors in A ball. And then yeah, he's truly amazing. High A batting 324 this year with 42 extra base hits, which is more than his walks and strikeouts. <laughs> Holy mother of God. No big deal. Yeah, not none whatsoever. Not a, not a big deal at all. Is that good? Do you want to walk more than you strike out? Uh, I, 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 I think that's how it works. I think that's how baseball works. I don't know. But no one does it. Why doesn't anyone do that then? Yeah. It's like The list is like Alex Bregman and that's it. So Casey Mize, not not a huge surprise there. I mean, I'm always more I'm always more pessimistic on pitchers than hitters, so I probably just naturally have like you know just as good as Casey Mize is, I'd probably have Joe Adele over him because funny, I, I like I, to... funny. I was about to say the same thing. I think he's the one I have a problem with him being so high on this list. Yeah, I like probability in my prospects, and yeah. you know, ten step. There's just there's there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. Yeah, pitch pitchers are so hard to predict because like they can just lose a grip on a pitch and never be the same again. It's so weird. Um, I would have Joe Adele over Casey Mize. Just uh, I agree, just because a lot of it has to do with the fact that Joe Adele's in AAA doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. which is three oh eight this year he's, in AAA. He is not twenty yet, and he is destroying AAA. That's yeah. that's one of those you know when when someone's doing that that's the eye opener that's like oh he's gonna be something that that is the 
semi-generational talent. I'm not going to call him a generational talent yet. Potential so, generational talent. So just just as a, a comparison, so the Mets top prospect, uh, God, why I'm blanking on his name. The 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 shortstop. Not Kalinic. Not not Kalinic. There Kalinic. it is. <laughs> Oh, God, I, I'm going to spend the rest of the podcast crying now. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. It's it's not it's not Jimenez, it's the other one. Yeah. But anyway, our top prospect is a middle infielder that is very young for his level and cannot hit a lick, but he's holding his own. And uh, when, Mauricio? You know, that's it. Mauricio? So, Mauricio? Mauricio, that's it, yeah. So, you know, you've got a kid, he's, he's way too young for his league, and he's holding his own, and prospect evaluators are like, yes, he's playing kids three years older than him, and he's still doing, he's just doing okay. But then you've got the generational talents, the Joe Adele. He is way younger than anyone he's facing and destroying them. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, The other one that's, I, I feel like, it's it's again this pitcher bias I have with prospects. I feel like Mackenzie Gore at number four is a little bit high too. Um, I don't know if I'd have Potts over him. Maybe Luis Roberts. Nine forty eight uh, on base percentage in AAA this year. Nine forty eight on base percentage is killer. On base plus slugging, OBS. That's that's a that's some Barry Bonds stuff. Yeah, and that so. Under under Robert, you've got Gavin Lux, who's knocking on the door of the majors right now. Like he might be, he might be one of those uh, late season call ups that actually winds up impacting a playoff race. Yeah, four four thirty two and thirty five games at AAA this year. Unbelievable. By, by the way, how do the Dodgers keep doing this? They keep finding these diamonds in the rough in like the second or third round, and then they just go to AAA and just become this different hitter. You saw well, it with the, you know, the, Bellinger, the, the, Muncie. Uh, Kike Hernandez, it's, it's nuts. Well, you see, Corey, Corey Seager is, is has only been you know good since his injury, not great. So you know the the Dodgers need to that they good isn't good enough. They they got to have an Uber prospect coming up behind him to to know. you know yeah push their push their twenty four year old push their twenty four year old to do better. Hey Corey, do better. Step it up, you young productive major leaguer. Yeah right. Uh, and then there's below Gavin Lux, you've got Nate Pearson, who throws 104 and gives up 115 mile an hour home runs to Pete Alonso. Yes. Wait, was he the one who gave up the home run to Pete Alonso in the prospects game last year? Oh yeah, Alonso destroyed it. I, it was like a 102 or 103 mile an hour fastball, and and Alonso annihilated it. Yeah, that was I w- I was there at Nats Park. That home run was the craziest one I've ever seen. Good old polar bear. It was, bon- it was literally right down the line, shaved the f- top of the home run foul pole, and then landed in like the concourse, which you never see. I, I gotta say though, I think the biggest surprise of this list for me is Jesus Lazardo at ten. I, 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 he's he's getting called up soon. I thought, or or is that is it just puck? I I, th- I heard that they were thinking of bringing up one or both of them to be bullpen arms. They're talking about bringing up both of them as bullpen arms, but he's hasn't been above high A ball. Granted, after he came back from his rotator cuff strain and his lat strain this year, he's had a 2.22 ERA, but it's only in 24 innings. Yeah, 37 strikeouts in those same 24 innings. That's yeah, yeah that's okay. And guess who the Nats traded for him? Traded him for who 
Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle. Oh, I love Sean Doolittle. I know. He's probably your favorite Mets player this year, to be I honest. Don't, I don't know if I've said this, but I love Sean Doolittle against the Mets. <laughs> I think I think you said that earlier when I brought up his ERA against them. My favorite stat. Yeah, other, so, other than that, I feel I like, like it's a fairly good list. It's really, it's it's not bad. I And I just going back to the reliever thing, I really love when a, when a team just you know, it believes in one of their youngsters that much where they'll jump them three levels for the playoffs because absolutely you can, you can succeed as a major league reliever with, you know, just a wipeout slider and velocity. Yeah, absolutely. I think I also feel like the September call up into October player is definitely favors pitchers though. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot of times you see hitters, they have the book on them in two weeks and they get destroyed in the playoffs. But the pitcher, if they have three pitches, it's and they can use them effectively in a mix. It's a lot harder. So I think Lazardo could def- he might be he might be one of the difference makers with the Athletics getting that wild card spot over like the Indians or the Twins, to be honest. And with the way the Athletics bullpen has been performing, they need that jolt. Trevino has underperformed. Trinan has underperformed. It's it's basically been Hendricks playing out of his mind. A little bit of Yuzmiro Petit, and then. Lots of disappointment. Famous ex-nationalese Mario Petit. With the, with the famous Invisible. What is it with... Now, this is a whole other topic. What is it with Nats pitchers and exploding elsewhere after they get DFA'd here? It's insane. It's insane. Well, I, I mean, at least trying it only lasted for about a year. That's good. Yeah, that was good. Same with Vasquez, really. Well, maybe two years, but... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to talk about uh, Vasquez's longevity when he's got like a one point seven ERA right now. Does he? They just. Uh, I thought he got like uh, blown up early in the season. Oh man, Vasquez is amazing. They just the uh, pitching ninja just had a nice post on him throwing oh, like a hundred and two to strike out Otani. Lefty lefty crime just in the pitcher's favor. <laughs> yeah, Vasquez has been amazing. He. Uh, Basically, ever since he got put in the closer role, he's been nails. Yeah, it, it's nuts. Um, also, look, at, did you see the jump on Bo Bichette from AAA to the majors? What, what, I think he's been on base every single game since Two, he got to the majors. He does. He has an extra base hit in every game in the majors. That is... 288, 355, 485. In his first 15 games, 394, 444... 742. I think he broke wow. it. I think he broke baseball. It's funny because... I think the uh, Blue Jays broke baseball by just, like, drafting every ex-player's kid and just threw him at the wall. I mean, it's working. Who They have, like, four other kids that haven't come up yet. Like, they have Bagwell's kid, too. Do they really? I didn't yes. know that. They have McGuire's kid. I real I I don't know anything about him, but I really really want Mark McGuire's kid to be like a low power speedster. I think he That's is. Just, I think he I, plays shortstop. I think, I think he's one of these. So I think funny. he's one of these slap hitting shortstops that are coming in vogue again. I love that. Like, <laughs> so basically, his, what McGuire would have been without steroids? Is that what you're trying his, to get at? <laughs> his dad is like, eat your protein powder, and he was like, no, I just want to run sprints. <laughs> Screw you, dad. That would have been amazing. I don't want to be like you. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Take your creatine, boy. 
Why are you injecting mm. me with don't worry about it? <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay. I need to stop making myself laugh. Good lord. Um, Speaking of ex-players' kids, though. A, that's four good uh, ones in an episode. It's Griffey Jr. Week in MLB The Show. And uh, they have been rolling out the red carpet slow as heck. They they did a trivia contest about Ken on, Ken on Monday, showed his card art yesterday, and gave us his stats today. And the program comes out on the 15th, which is a Thursday this time. And we still don't know what the other two bosses are and won't find out until about an hour before the program goes live. So It's really, it's really nice how they've stretched five minutes of content into a whole week. God bless MLB The Show. God bless San Diego. Um, but we do have his stats, and his card is looking good. So, I'm uh, I, I so everyone was saying in the lead up that you know he's gonna he's gonna supplant everybody. He's gonna be an instant addition to everybody's lineup. So as they were revealing stat by stat, I had Willie Mays pulled up, and I was looking and comparing. And I mean, Mays is definitely better than Griffey. So you know, Griff Griffey isn't going to immediately take the spot as like the top outfielder in the game. Which kind of makes me happy. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad they're not. Uh, you know, I mean, just thinking about it, like Griffey was not a better player than Willie Mays, so that no, I'm, yeah. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't juice his Sig series to that point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's I... a little he's a little lacking in like the the steals department, which I'm actually a little surprised by. I thought that, I kind of thought that that was an area they could have juiced him in and been justified. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Um, I definitely feel like he should have been a, a step up from Duke Snyder's stats instead of tying in some of them. But I feel like they did a good job of it looking at looking at what we have, which are the stats. Just the stats on the card. We don't know what stance he uses, whether it's middle career, early career Griffey, whatever. Um. I feel like when you're working with legends like that, you have to go with what they're known for. He's gonna be he's gonna be standing stock straight yeah. up, elbow up. You, you know oh. how it's gonna go with you, how it should go with Griffey. Yeah, exactly. No, I want Absolutely. the I want the White Sox Griffey stance. Oh God, really? <laughs> what he's known for his years with the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely known for that. <laughs> not, not. I want I want that first year when he was recovering from a hidden knee operation Cincinnati Griffey swing. That's the one I want. I want negative point five war Griffey. That's the Griffey I want. Oh, man, yeah, absolutely, 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 all all the way. I'm I'm excited to see what the other two bosses are. To be quite honest. So, I feel like I feel like I can go one of two ways. Like it's either going to be two other completely sought after juice guys, like like let's say Chipper and Chipper with juiced fielding. Yeah, right. Like do his uh, actual batting stats and juices fielding Chipper. So I mean, we we know it's not going to be like Babe Ruth because they're not gonna they're not gonna release Griffey. Well, I thought it wasn't gonna be Babe Ruth, but then Ramon almost slipped up. He did say B. He, he was did B. say B, and then he was like, oh, wait, I can't think of anybody else who it would be. Uh, oh, we, we just got Bob Gibson. Yeah, 
We already have. Uh, it, we already have a Blevlin. If it was a last name, though, would it be Bagwell Biggio? Could be a Bagwell. We've Could got be a, a Bagwell. Silver, we've got a silver Bagwell. We don't have a. We don't have a uh, juiced Bagwell yet. I feel like they would put a so di- I feel like they would put a mid-tier diamond out before they would put a, his signature series out. But then again, they've been weird with it all year. Uh, for for the record, that was me saying the card is juiced, not the player is juiced. I don't. Yeah. 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 No. You're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. Everybody, of, uh, everybody in the decade was juiced. I don't care what anybody says; it doesn't matter. Like, I totally, the, I, to, I totally think that Bagwell's neck naturally grew that much. Yes, exactly. It's gonna be, it's gonna be Bonds. He meant Bonds when he said B. I'm kidding. I, I got. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up the list of every major league player ever with a B. I, I, I did, and I searched through it for <laughs> forever, and I couldn't find a lot of good ones. Uh, it's, it's Bobichette. Yeah, it's Bobichette. It's, it's future stars Bobichette, 99 overall. If you say that too fast, it 100% sounds like a Star Wars character. Boba Fett? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, friend um of, friend of Boba Fett. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be I feel like it's going to be somebody like Biggio or Bagwell where I don't know, did they get Immortals last year? Bagwell? No, Bagwell had like that 97 or 95 that you got for the collections. And then I forgot if Biggio even had a card last year. I don't think Biggio was in the game. Yeah, but that would... I, I mix up OOTP and the show sometimes. I, I do too, in my head, yeah. But it would be interesting to see one of those two guys two guys come up with it um, because it would be an interesting card to do it. Um, I, I, I like the idea of Bagwell, but we just got Gehrig. Do yeah, we need another true. first baseman so soon? Well, didn't Bagwell play left field for a while too? I, don't, I, I always remember him as a first baseman. Yeah, Lance but, Berkman. Lance Berkman. Yeah, maybe it's Berkman. That'd be interesting. I feel like I just I just want my Sig Series Scherzer. Is it too much to ask for? Oh? Sig Series Scherzer. Scherzer. Is it too so, much to ask for? Just face it, face it. The only uh the only national starter that's getting a Sig Series card is Joe Ross. Yes, exactly. That that player of the month card's gonna be lit. But on that bombshell. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Breaking Company as a hit going off on 8-15. If you guys are listening to it before then, you should go check it out. They still got four teams left in their buy one, get one free 40-hit monster, including Trops, Tops Tribute, Tops Museum Collection, Heritage High Leaf, Leaf Trinity, Tops Chrome, Bowman Sterling, Panini Donruss, Immaculate Panini Prism, Panini Donruss, and Onyx Vintage, 40-plus hits, a ton of opportunities at one-of-ones, including, but not limited to, I believe, Hank Aaron, Cal Ripken Jr., and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Sr. dual auto cards in this. It is a monster. So if you guys want to go check them out, please check them out. They'll be live on the 15th as well, streaming it. And if you can't get into the Pick One, Get One monster, they will always do flash breaks during it, so please go check them out. And as always, want to wrap up every week by talking about our amazing patrons. Thank you, Chris, Matt, Eric, Rev, Jaron, Murph, and Julia for your continued support on Patreon. Much appreciated and much love. For uh, Shrebzy, this is Ryan signing off. Until next week, see you all then. <laughs>